Welcome to episode 23 of the Tap In With Taco podcast. I'm your host, Takato Watanabe. This is a podcast to help military veterans and spouses transition out of the military to their civilian careers or businesses. I bring on guests to share the lessons they've learned during their journey so you can get a sneak peek into what life will be like after the military. On today's episode, I bring on Sarah, who transitioned from an MP or military police in the Army and now works in workplace violence prevention and threat management. It was really cool to hear her story of how she navigated through her multiple different roles after the military and is now working in a dream job. She shares an awesome tip you can apply for your next career fair. And for those of you who are in combat arms or a military spouse, this episode is a must listen. Hope you enjoy. In the Subaru with my Nikes on the dash. In the Subaru with my Nikes on the dash. In the Subaru with my Nikes on the dash. Nikes on the dash, Nikes on the dash. In the Subaru with my Nikes on the dash. In the Subaru with my Nikes on the dash. In the Subaru with my Nikes on the dash. Nikes on the dash, Nikes on the dash. Awesome. Well, thank you, Sarah, for coming to the Tap In With Taco podcast. Super excited to have you here today. We're going to be talking about several things uh, and mainly workplace violence prevention and threat management. But before we dive in, uh, let's have you give a little little intro about yourself and uh, where you got to where you are now. Sure. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm um, I'm originally uh, from Mass around the Boston area and um, went to school at Norwich University, got my bachelor's in criminal justice and another bachelor's in English, um, commissioned out of there uh, under an Army ROTC scholarship. So um, commissioned in 2001, um, was originally um, branched military intelligence, and I did that for about a year and a half and then switched over to military police when I was at my first tour over in Iraq. Um, and then from there, did another tour in Iraq uh, as military police again, and um, ended up getting out in February of 2007 and been on the corporate ladder <laughs> since then. So that's that's about it right now. <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. So let's, so you got on 2007 from 2007 to where you are now. Um, can you tell us a little bit like what your transition was to find like your first um, civilian role? Sure. Yeah, it was, it was actually really difficult because I, I did not prepare of getting out. Um, it was basically coming right out of a deployment and I'd made the decision that I didn't, um, I didn't want to be in anymore uh, after two tours in Iraq. And so um I basically dropped my paperwork and had no plan. So uh, I picked up the first job I could get, which was actually um, Social Security Administration. So it was a government job, a GS job. Um, and and that, that, that worked out for a little bit. Uh, I started that around Fort Knox, Kentucky and moved to D.C. and transferred to the Manassas office there. Um, and about a month later, I was interviewing with um, contractors uh, to work at the Pentagon with um, the Army Resourcing Board. So I ended up actually getting hired on at the Pentagon with my old general, uh, General Thurman. So that was that was interesting because uh, working as a civilian and then working um, back into back with the Army with my old general um, was actually really, um, I don't know if it was a lucky streak or, or, or what happened, but moving to D.C. definitely put me in the right path of where I wanted to be. So... Yeah. Interesting that you mentioned that you, you moved into your GS role. I know a lot of the times when 
uh, veterans are transitioning out, like a lot of the times, like they look at the GS roles between the roles that you were in the GS roles and your civilian roles now. Can you tell us a little about what those differences are and what you enjoy um, about each one? Sure. Uh, with the GS role, um, I, I, I really underestimated myself and I should have gone for a higher position and I didn't. And that was in Kentucky. And I, I basically took the first job that was offered to me. So, uh, lesson learned there, you know, know your worth. And, um, I'm, I, you know, I still work on that to this day, but, um, and then when I moved to DC and worked at the Pentagon, um, I was a contractor. So, Definitely different than GS. So there's no job security whatsoever. The contract can end um, at any time, really, basically when the project's done. So um, that's it's it is more money being a contractor, um, but the job security is not there. So um, that but it was it was interesting to do it because the company I work for, Alliance Science and Technology, um, when the contract ended, they did assist in finding another contract. So I could have stayed with them for a while if I, if I had wanted to, um, because usually companies, and especially in the DC area would help you, uh, find a new position. Uh, it might not be the same. I went from the army to the air force as a contractor. So, um, that was a little bit different as well. And then in the corporate world, that I'm in now and I've been in for about, I don't know, uh, 11 years, maybe. Um, that's that, that was definitely a big transition to understand how corporate works based off of how government and with the GS and, um, with the contracting and the contracting was with the government. So it was kind of the same as far as the roles and the culture, but the corporate culture was very, very different. And it, it took a lot of adjusting to get used to for me. Talk to us a little bit more about that. Like what, what, what was the big like shock for you? What, what was the biggest thing that you had to adjust with corporate? Right. Uh, um, so when you, when you leave the military and you go into GS or contracting with, with the government, um, you're still surrounded by a lot of military and you kind of just can fit right in. So there's nothing, um, there, there really aren't any surprises and, and you understand how the government works and you understand how the military works. And even as a civilian, you, you, you can fit in, you understand the lingo um, in the corporate world. It's, it's very different because you're probably, I mean, it, it's, it's like the real world where we're about 1% of the population being military. So uh, being a veteran in the corporate world is different in the sense that they just, um, it's, there's a different understanding where, um, and this is hard to explain in a way that would make it make sense, but it's just, um, they, they don't understand the, the issues that you went through in the military. They don't understand the leadership rank or the chain of command. And that's instilled in us with the military is that we, we know, who to go to. We know not to jump over our manager or our supervisor director to that person's supervisor or director. We know, you know, how to, how to use the chain of command in the corporate world. Um, people don't do that. So um, it's, it, and, and it's, it's hard to, as far as um, coming from, I, I was an officer um, in the army and it was hard to leave a leadership position and not 
fall right into a leadership position. And I think a lot of military believe that they're leaving the military transitioning, whether it's 20 plus years or it's a couple of years like I did. Um, you know, they, it's, I assumed I would just hop right into a leadership position because I, I led over 300 MPs in Iraq. Um, and I've led soldiers in with the intelligence, um, community as well. And, um, not being able to do that. I feel that a lot of corporations don't understand that the skills that military have coming into the corporate world. God, God, do you have any tips for people who are in a similar position who feel like that they're, that they're transitioning and they're not in like what they expected it to be in the right role. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, I do. It's um, it, it actually took me to get to this company and I've worked for many companies um, since I've left, left the military, left the government jobs. Um, and it took me to find the right company to listen to me. And, and that takes a lot of research on your part to find out, you know, what companies are actually veteran friendly and, um, and to push yourself as far as leadership skills. So, um, one of the tips I have is when I came onto this role, I didn't expect to get the job I'm in right now because, um, my husband's actually military, he's active duty. And they wanted me in Pennsylvania when they were interviewing me. And I, I told them we can stop the interview right now because I can't live in Pennsylvania. I have to live in Virginia where my husband's stationed. So um, then it, it turned out that my my manager right now, he's actually former Air Force as well. And so he um, he said, you know what, I'm building this this new program so um, you can work remote. And if you have to move again because of the military, you can stay with the company and not have to switch companies again. So that that was that was great. And and I never got that. I, my past um, my past companies that I worked for, I've had to move a lot. I've moved about nine times in about twelve years. Um, and yeah, <laughs> and um, it, it was it's it's been really hard to find companies that that appreciate the fact that. One, you're a veteran, but two, um, I'm still married into the military. So the military life never really left me and, and trying to navigate that in the corporate world has, has been a struggle. That's, that's awesome. That to hear that the company that you work for now is very flexible and, and is able to uh, work around where you are, especially with remote being a little bit more of a, of a thing nowadays. Um, jumping into your role though, can you mm-hmm. tell us a little bit more about what you do in your day to day and what that role looks like? Sure. Um, so I I came on. I work um, investigation. So I came on as an investigator, as a corporate investigator for this company, and then um, just recently I was promoted to workplace violence prevention and threat management. So right now uh, the company I work for does not have this program, and that includes. Um, anything workplace violence prevention. So right now we're using this waiver 21 methodology and it's a 21 step um, questionnaire of anything. If, if, if a threat of violence is there basically. And so, um, and I can go into that a little bit later if need be, need be. But um, so with the workplace violence prevention, this company didn't have a program. So right now I'm building the entire program. It's just me. And I have um, one more person that works with me as well. And we, we look at threats within the company and we look at threats as far as, um, you know, disgruntled employees or employee to employee um, terminated employees that 
lately, what we've been seeing is a lot of terminated employees that have have you know had to move on uh, on not by their choice and go on social media and tag the company at their handle, tag the CEO, and threaten threaten either to uh, file a lawsuit, file um, you know anything anything to hurt the company, to hurt the brand. Um, but also we don't, you know, this methodology that we use, it's to see if someone's going to act upon it. Right. So I'm also building up the active shooter program as well. And we're actually not doing active shooter. We're not going to call it that. It's, it's going to be called active assailant because I work globally. So um, I'm not just in America working with our campuses in America. This is every every campus throughout the globe. So um, you, you'll find that active shooter, a lot of that has to do with America, where if someone's going to threaten violence in the workplace um, in another country, and most, you know, Europe, uh, Asia, um, South America, a lot of it has to do with, with small weaponry, where it's, it's stabbing or... Um, you know, sometimes it's even poisoning or anything like that. So um, that's that's what the workplace violence. Pre- so w- with workplace violence prevention, we are trying to prevent that. So right now I'm working on awareness and training for all the employees in the company, um, which is it's it's going to take a while. It's this is probably about a 18 month project to get this up and running. Um, but in the meantime, we still have cases coming through. too. So we're working active cases as well as building a program. So it's. It's a process, but it's it's extremely challenging, but it's also very rewarding. And it's something that um, it took me until now. So I got out in 2007 out of the army. It took me now to get to my, I guess, you, if you want to call it a dream job, because um, I actually really do enjoy what I do. And um, there's nothing there. I've always wanted to be in threat management. I've always been part of threat management, but I've never owned owned the program of it in any company that I've worked at. So that's awesome to hear. Cause, cause right when you, when you first get out, you expect like, Oh, I immediately see success right outside right. the military. Um, and it shows that sometimes it does take a little bit of time to progress to where you need to be. If someone is interested though, in the position that you're in, which is awesome. Sounds awesome. By the way, I've never heard anything like it. Like what are some like MOSs or what are some skill sets that they would need to get into that kind of role to really understand like um, what they need to bring to the table? Sure. So for workplace violence prevention, for threat management, threat assessment, um, investigations, it all kind of runs together. Um, so for me, I was Intel. So you have to have, um, you don't have to have you. It's good to have an analyst background because you're, you're assessing, you're assessing what a person's going to do based off of human behavior. You're basing it off of a lot of, um, past cases. Right. So I do a lot of research as well, like throughout the country, throughout the world to see where workplace violence has happened um, in any in any company, not just my company. Um, So having that analyst background is great. Um, I also did a lot of investigations when I was a military police officer. um, And that that's something that got me into the investigation role originally. So um, being able and even though I did it. Uh, back from 2001 to 2007, it still helped me get to where I am now, even though that little in-between phase 
um, I wasn't doing it. I really got into threat management investigations and workplace violence about five years ago. So um, it's not going to happen right away. And and if it does, that's that's amazing. And and you found the right company to pick you up. But um, yeah, so the, so those two things. I have a criminal justice background, so that helps as well. So um, being able to um, use that degree in in criminal psychology. Um, is, is something that's really important as well. And right now I'm actually trying to pursue um, my master's in forensic psychology because that has a lot to do and covers a lot of um, workplace violence prevention and threat management. So um, that's, it's everything I've researched as far as books, as far as um, those that are in, in the, in the field that I'm in, a lot have um, a degree in psychology, whether it's, you know, bachelor's, master's, PhD, psychology is like really a good baseline. So, um, and then, and then just your leadership and anyone from the military, whether you're, you know, E1 or you're an O1 or, you know, anywhere in between, you know, as far as the ranks go, um, everybody has leadership skills in the military. And that's what you really need in order to do this because you have to be confident in your assessment and confident in yourself to pro to basically provide an assessment to your company to say this person is or isn't going to do something violent based off of all the information that you have. Awesome to hear. Yeah. There's a lot of fundamentals, I guess it sounds like too, that you've built up from the things that you've learned throughout your career. Um, and you're still consistently learning as you go, which is awesome to hear that it's not just, it's more of the journey, right? Not to, not as much of the destination. Right. It sounds like you you really enjoy what you do. Yeah. Um, and I want to pivot over to something that you mentioned earlier. You're a military spouse, still married to the military. And I know a lot of um, people, there are still a lot of spouses that do struggle to find uh, somewhere that they fit in that will give them the flexibility to still work because they're, they're, their spouse is in the military. Do you have any guidance on um, what military spouses could do to be successful in their roles? Sure, I do. Um, so one of the things is um, when I when I first married my husband, uh, we we moved to Rhode Island because he was going to a school there, and um, I need I I'm the type that I, I just need to work, and I know a lot of people out there, military spouses, male and female, they want to work. So um, I just threw my resume out everywhere. Um, I didn't really use LinkedIn back then. Um, cause this was back, this is back in 2010. So, um, putting your resume out there and making sure you have a really good resume. I wouldn't particularly pay to have a resume written. I would, um, just research it. And, and if you have mentors or anything like that, um, that, that that's the best way I found is that um, to make sure your resume is tight and and if it's not um, they're not going to look at it and most and most recruiters really only look at the first couple lines anyways and 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 skim it basically so um, put your resume out there get on LinkedIn um, and start networking and and whatever career field you're you're interested in um, and I think that's the biggest thing and. And for me, with us moving, we moved and I, we, we've moved so much that, um, I always had a prep ahead of time. Okay. Wh- what companies are in the area that I can work at and transfer my skills over to them. And, um, and so it, it's, it's very stressful. It worked out, um, most of the time 
but it wasn't jobs that I loved. And I knew it was only temporary. So I was able to, um, you know, get through a year and a half or get through two years of, of a job because I still wanted my resume to be built um, throughout all the moves that we were doing. So um, my advice for military spouses, even the um, networking at the bases, they have a career career day, I think is what it's called. I can't remember. Um, but even those bring your resumes there and drop them off. And, you know, there were some companies, I did this in Seattle when I lived there and um, there was, there's so many great companies in Seattle and a lot of tech and, um, and, and that's, that's where you want to be is where there's a lot of companies that are looking for talent, you know, across the board. And, um, I mean, I work at a tech company and I'm not tech by any means, so it, it, it is doable, but the biggest thing is, um, go to those career fairs and, and just put your name out there and, and sometimes, and have a business card. You know, I, I, I made business cards as when I wasn't working and it just had my name and my email address and my phone number on it. And then I had about four words of what my skills were, like my top four skills, basically. And, I did end up getting phone calls back. Um, you know, I, if I gave a hundred out, I might've gotten 20 phone calls. So it's, you're not going to get a hundred phone calls off of that, but um, somebody will remember you, you know? And I, and I think the biggest thing is putting yourself out there. You have to kind of get out of your comfort zone and talk to people. I think that's the biggest thing. That's awesome. I've never heard of that business card idea. This That's a gem right there for someone to take and copy that idea and, and implement that into your strategy. Thank that's you. awesome to hear. Um, any other general tips that you recommend to military uh, service members or spouses that are looking to transition out? Sure. I would. So for those that are service members that are still in and looking to get out again, whether it's retirement or whether it's a few years, um, start prepping early. I'd give yourself at least 18 months to start um, talking to uh, possible companies that you want to either do a fellowship with or or just be employed with um, and know what you want. I, w- I, I made the mistake before, and this is a big mistake. Um, there was one big company in Seattle that I wanted to work for and read, you know, read all about it, did all the research. And um, I didn't know what I wanted to do there. I just wanted to work at that company. So, so I, the biggest thing is have a plan and know exactly what it is you want to do. And you don't have to narrow it down to one specific thing. Like for me, um, I wanted to be an investigator because I did it in the military and I felt that I was really good at it. So um, that's where I came in and said, I think I'm going to be great at this. And so when another company called and said, would you come on temporarily and look at um, these old investigations uh, due to the Me Too movement that happened? This was back in 2017. Um, I was able to do it because they remembered that I had said, this is exactly what I want to do. I want to do analyst work and I want to do investigation work. And they needed that. It was temporary, but it got me, it was a stepping stone to where I am right now. And like I said, that was 2017. So that wasn't too far away or too far ago. So. Um, I think that's the biggest thing is, 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 is have a plan. Don't get out um, on January 1st of 2023 and expect to have a job without planning anything because um, it's, it is a tough market and it's a lot of it is um, people. You need to know people. And another suggestion I have is LinkedIn. I would cold call people not cold call, cold email people on LinkedIn. Um, I'd look up the company I wanted to work for 
I'd find somebody in the career field for that company. Um, and I would just email them and tell them I'm interested in working for your company. Can you get me to the right person? Um, and this is my background and it worked for my previous company. Uh, that's how it eventually about three months later, the person emailed me back and said, there's a job opening. You should apply to it. And I, I did apply for it. He didn't refer me. Um, and I ended up getting the job. So people will remember you if you reach out to them. I think that's the biggest thing is you have to be able to get out of your comfort zone. You have to be able to um, just basically speak, speak what you want, meaning I want to work for me. I want to be an investigator. Um, And then that turned into threat management. Then that turned into workplace violence prevention. So um, it's a lot of work, but it's, it was, it was definitely worth, worth everything from getting out in 2007 to where I am right now, because now I'm, I am in a job that I actually like going to work. I like what I do. And I don't, I don't mind if I have to work on the weekends. I I don't suggest working on the weekends, but I don't mind if I have to, because it's something that I enjoy. And I think that's the biggest thing. It took me a long time to get to where I was working with, um, a team and and working the actual product that I want to work versus just taking a job because I needed a job. Awesome, awesome. That's, yeah, it's awesome to hear. You can, I can definitely hear the passion that you have <laughs> around like what you do, and and it definitely shows. And and it shows that the way you're talking about things. Uh, if there's if someone has any follow up questions or if they just want to reach out and just get like pick your brain on stuff, how can they get a hold of you? Sure, I'm on LinkedIn. My, I can give you my company email as well if if you'd like that. So, um, that's those are the two best ways to probably to get a hold of me. And and if anybody needs help in in working on their transition, and I've been there, it's 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 really difficult. It's really stressful. But um, if you if you have the right path, you, you're going to get there. So, I awesome. definitely like to help anybody if they if they need it. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Sarah. I appreciate it. This was awesome to talk about everything um, from everywhere from like your, your career to everything is very inspiring to hear and a lot of good nuggets too. So thank you so much for your time. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. This was great. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Sarah and gained some valuable insight. One thing to remember is to enjoy the journey even after the military. Like Sarah's path, sometimes it takes some time to find your dream job. If you want to get in contact with Sarah, I'll leave her info in the show notes. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, please share this with your fellow military service members and spouses that are considering an exit strategy. If you'd like to share your story and any tips or tricks to help your fellow veterans and spouses, feel free to reach out. Talk to you all next time. Peace.